return is very close And so you better be believing that our God is an awesome God Our God is an awesome God Welcome to a service at Holy Life Tabernacle in Brookings, South Dakota. We are proclaiming the good news of Jesus Christ. Now let's go into the sanctuary and here's today's message. So I'm going to have this for the next, whatever, week, six weeks, whatever. You want to just think, thank you Jesus for recovery right now. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, keep your prayers for Donna Kornbaum. Donna has surgery today, and uh, uh, so uh, they're expecting good things, but it's going to take an effort and so forth. Let's pray for Donna even. Lord Father, we thank you for touching Donna even right now in the hospital and touching her leg in the name of Jesus, and we pray supernaturally mending in that bone, Father, strengthening in that bone in the name of Jesus that she could bear weight on it again, Father. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So if you think about Donna, uh, she's in the hospital right now, but then I think she'll probably be going back to the neighborhoods again. And uh, you can visit her over there. We've been over there different times to see her prior to the surgery. So uh, always good to have company. Amen. And the thing about Donna, she's just positive, just praising the Lord in the midst of adversity, just... uh, uh, coming out of amnesia today, she's praising the Lord. <laughs> so, so praise God for that. That is that's good stuff. Hallelujah. And the giving, there's a basket back. You're gonna live in offering tonight, or the giving stations open, or those of you that have joined us uh, is online on now. So, uh, God bless you, people. You've supported us. You've stood with us. You've uh, sent in offerings or given online and so forth like that. So, thank you for your support. For the tabernacle, we have a lot of support that comes from outside our ministry, and people that uh, are friends with the tabernacle and support the church here. So we're very thankful for uh, those things. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Uh, coming up here, you know, we have communion the first Sunday in September. Uh, the second Sunday in September, we have guest speaker Jeff Capel will be here with us from North Dakota. Jeff is one of our alumni and started coming to the church when he's 14 years old. Drove himself every every uh, week from the farm over by Arlington. And God bless him. Was here for four years, went to Bible school. Now he's pastored, I think, boy, I'm just trying to think. It's like 30 years in North Dakota. So he is, uh, they raised up a church up there, and they've just done very, very well. So he'll be here in the 12th. Then we have our pastor's conference after that, 13th and 14th. Uh, then we, from there, we have Kingdom Youth Conference. The youth are going to Minneapolis. And there'll be a time of ministry up there on a Friday, Saturday. They'll come back on a Sunday. Then the next weekend is our Women Alive conference. And that will be a blessing as well and uh, for God to work in some wonderful ways here in the church. So uh, excited about those things. And, of course, all those things are open to uh, the pastors. is open to pastors. The women's open to women. And the Kingdom Youth, of course, the Fresh Fire has got those things going on. So but, but at any rate, uh, good things are happening all around here. And uh, I'm glad we can start up our fall season and get going again here for a lot of things. We had a great prayer time here today and a blessing at noon. When we pray here on Wednesdays, we pray for the ministry. We pray for the outreaches of the ministry, all of those things. And, of course, uh, 
That's what we're believing. We're believing for souls. Amen. We're believing for people to come into the kingdom and to uh, be born again. So, so a lot of good things are happening in that way. And the ladies meet tomorrow at 1030. And that gets rolling again as well right here at the church at the tabernacle. So praise God. So those of you joining us, we just bless you tonight in Jesus' name. We're going to do a little Bible study. Diva's here? Gita. Gita, uh, we welcome you from India. And uh, let's see, it would be early morning. Uh, probably uh, we're in daylight savings time. So it would be 6 o'clock in the morning. So we just welcome you from India. And uh, she was a student, a graduate student at SDSU. That's how we met her. She came to the tabernacle here. And then she lives in South India, Tamil Nadu, if I'm correct, or South Andhra Pradesh, one of those. But we just welcome you here to be part of this church here at the Tabernacle and, and others that join us from around the world. We're just glad to have you uh, a part of the fellowship. You know, Jeannie we, Jeannie, we got through technology. Isn't technology great? So we connect with people all over the world, all hours of the day. Usually we do it when we're awake, of course. But we try to tell people, like, uh, when we sleep, that's, that we're not going to be answering you at that time. But that's maybe their daytime. So... Uh, uh, a blessing just to have all these things happening uh, by the Holy Spirit. A uh, great time to be living for the Lord. So tonight's topic, tonight's topic is suffering. And uh, you might think, oh, that's a terrible topic. Well, we're going to start a scripture, first of all, in 2 Timothy. And uh, the scripture says, uh, But you have carefully followed my doctrine, manner of life, purpose, faith, long-suffering, uh, love, perseverance, persecutions, afflictions, which happened to me at Antioch, Iconium, and Lystra. What persecutions I endured, and out of them all the Lord delivered me. Yes, and all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. But evil men and impostors will grow worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. So leave that scripture up there a second. Now, uh, suffering. So in America, of course, America has very little... Uh, persecution. And so in America, you will hear people talk about the fact like, oh, someone, someone's got cancer. And they say, oh, cancer. And they're saying, oh, I'm suffering for Jesus, you know. Or there's hardships in their life or whatever. And they say, oh, I'm suffering for Jesus. And people, people have written books about it and so forth in America and all these things. The only thing is, is that none of that is true. None of that is true. Jesus took our sins our sicknesses, our diseases, our pain. Jesus already took all those things at Calvary. Amen. So the Bible says that by his stripes you were healed. Isaiah 53 says he bore our sicknesses. He bore our diseases. So Jesus already bore all those things. Amen. So in America, see, we have a lack of teaching and, of course, if people want to say, well, well, there's suffering in the Bible, so then they assume it has to be all these other diseases and troubles and so forth. Folks, it's none of those things. Okay? People around the world understand, yeah, there is real suffering, and it's suffering for Jesus, and it has nothing to do with physical things like what I just said. The suffering Jesus talked about, the suffering for the kingdom, always dealt with persecution. All right? So, so Jesus said, those who live godly, in fact, all those who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. Yeah. So the sufferings of the cross of Christ 
always dealt with persecution. The sufferings of the cross of Christ never, ever in Scripture dealt with physical afflictions or those kinds of problems. So we have people teaching things, writing things, of course, that again, if you follow Scripture, you would see what is accurate. So, sadly, especially in America, you have people, and this is, this is how it is in the American church. Why? Because there's very little persecution. So if you're suffering for Jesus, we've got to find something to suffer for, right? We've got to make up something to fit this category. The only problem is, none of those things fit the category according to Scripture. Can we understand that? So if Jesus, if Jesus already took my sin, and Jesus took my sickness and all that, why would I have to carry it? If Jesus already took it, if Jesus already paid the price for those things, then why would I, why am I suffering for him if he already took it? Amen. So the suffering in the Bible, as Paul talks about, the persecutions, the afflictions, uh, the things, uh, uh, and he says, you've seen my life, purpose, faith, long-suffering, perseverance. None of those things dealt with disease or anything. It dealt with the persecutions and afflictions at Antioch, Iconium, and Lystra, which if you go back in the book of Acts, you're going to find how he was stoned and different things that happened to him in that sense. So the sufferings of Christ, the sufferings of Christ always deal with this part of the thing, persecutions. Paul said, I endured those. So it's not like, it's not like you can... Uh, People, people want to get away from those things, but this is actually a promise. Yes, all who desire to live godly will suffer persecution. That is a promise that we don't claim, right? But it is a true promise. And why is that there? Because we have two kingdoms of light and darkness that are clashing against each other. And what the devil really wants to do is stop the church from propagating the gospel of Jesus Christ. Right. He wants to keep people from doing what Jesus told them to do. Amen. And he does that, the devil tries to do that by persecuting the Christians to get them to either withdraw or go, you know, place where they're silent, no more action and so forth like that, to drive them away from doing the gospel. This happened in the book in Jerusalem in the book of Acts. We'll go through this another time coming up here in some Sunday or whatever. But but the church the church thrives under persecution. So what the devil means for evil, God will turn around and bring great good out of it. So persecution in Jerusalem and the church was scattered, and of course through that the gospel went around the world. We've been in India where Thomas the one disciple, apostle, was martyred. And so Thomas was martyred in India. We've been to the place where he was supposedly martyred, St. Thomas Mount. And so we've been to various places like that. He carried the gospel to India. That's how the gospel first got there. So Paul says, yes, all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. And he says... Evil people, that'll just get worse and worse. And actually, actually, it'll get worse and worse as the day approaches, as the day of Jesus Christ approaches. Now, we don't know that time, nor does the devil know that time, but the devil knows his time is short. And so, because it's short, he's trying to increase demonic activity. 
Because the church knows the time is short, we should be increasing the spread of the gospel. That's why, that's why in Hebrews it says, for gathering together, people gathering together, all the more so as the day approaches. So at a day and time in history where the American church have less and less services, very, it's rare anymore for churches to have a Sunday night service. Well, we just don't do that. Well, people don't come. We're not going to do that. Well, we're not going to have a Wednesday night service either. So where churches have actually gone down to one service, when really they should be trying to reach more people and do more things for the kingdom. So as the devil works harder, Christians recognizing the time, we should recognize the time, just like we recognize a storm is coming and you prepare for it, we should recognize the time, the day of the Lord is coming, and we prepare for it. Now, spiritually, of course, you prepare, but how else do we prepare? By reaching souls. By doing more to reach more people. Rather than less, everybody say more. more. To do more. To do more things to advance the gospel. Even, even like even our outreach so was not, couldn't happen last week, so this coming Sunday on campus, our outreach. So campus groups promote things to promote themselves. Well, what is our bottom line of promotion? Is handing out something to promote Jesus Christ. Right? So, yes, we'll have something to say for the group. But the real thing is getting people saved. Amen? That's why we're here. Is to get things into people's hands that they might read or something. And then hopefully they can give their lives to Jesus Christ. All right. So, so understand suffering in its context. Christ took our sin. He took our sicknesses. He took those things. Our suffering now, the sufferings of Christ, is persecution. Most of the world, uh, if you read last week's Church Around the World thing in the bulletin, half the world, 4 billion people right now are under severe persecution. The United States is in a bubble. But the only place in the planet that's in a bubble where people just kind of go around doing their thing and so forth. The rest of the world is in dire places. Folks, and that's why, you know, the United States, they use some places used to teach the rapture is coming and we'll get out all this before trouble happens and all oh, will escape. And But folks, that doesn't preach overseas. Why doesn't that preach overseas? Because they're already going through hell. So you can't say, we'll escape all these things. No, they're already going through those things. So you can't come and preach something that someone's going to go, uh, sorry, that's, that's not true. Is Jesus coming and will the church be caught up? Yes, he will. But are we going to escape all these things? And the answer is no. And biblically, the answer is no. All who live godly will suffer persecution. So understanding that then helps us to be in God's gym preparing ourselves for things that will be in the future, what we might face. Amen? Amen? See, even our afflictions, our light afflictions in America. You know, I get saved, my family doesn't like me. Okay, light afflictions. Or people at college say it's different things, light afflictions. But no one's trying to kill us. No one's trying to kill us. And, And we have right now... Tough situations as we pray for the church in Afghanistan and around the world where that is the case. 
So, 1 Peter chapter 2, let's go over there a second. Let's just read a thing, some things. This is just some other stuff now I want to talk about. But servants, be submissive to your masters with all fear, not only for the good and gentle, but also to the harsh. This is commendable if because of conscience toward God, one endures grief, suffering wrongfully. For what credit is it if you are beaten for your faults and you take it patiently? But when you do good and suffer, you take it patiently. This is commendable before God. So here he's talking about something here where someone... In adversity, so here you have masters, let's call it employers. Of course, they're harsh employers, but let's just say in general. If you do something wrong as a Christian, and you're, but you're doing something wrong and your employer criticizes or whatever, someone gets fired from the job. Mm-hmm. And somebody say, well, they're persecuting me. They say, well, what'd you do? did you do something wrong? Well, yeah, I didn't show up for work on time and I messed this up. Messed up. Well, don't call it persecution then. Don't call it persecution. If you suffer for good, if you do good, now you're suffering because of your faith in Christ, your conscience toward God. Lost our lights here. So if you do good and you suffer, that's persecution. Understand that? So I've, seen, I've had Christians. Some Christians are very poor, very poor employees. You know, they, they kind of, they're kind of slobby. You know, they show up kind of when they want to. They kind of feel like something's owed to them. No, no, no. You should be the best worker in the place. You should show up early and work hard. And then, and then people want to witness on their job, but they're a poor worker. And then when they get fired or something, they say, well, it's persecution. No, it's not persecution. You're a poor worker. <laughs> a lot of, there's a lot of things people will tolerate as far as witnessing if you're a great worker. It's like when the Johnsons were in China and ministering in China and they were evangelizing and so forth, but they were also helping the elderly. And they found out that at that point, China's really cracked down on everything now. But at that point, a Chinese official came and says, we like what you're doing. So he said, we have a policy, one eye open, one eye shut. So we'll, we love what you're doing and we'll keep the other eye shut to what you're doing in the gospel. They're reaching elderly and so forth like that. But they like what they were doing. They saw all the good in it. That's right. Amen? So, so we have to understand the whole thing of persecution. Persecution comes down to Jesus Christ. You're doing a great job, but you're persecuted. All right. Now what, it's, what it says, though, it says you do good and you suffer and you take it patiently. Say patiently. So in other words, like Paul endured suffering, endured the persecution, and this says you take it patiently. What, what do most people want to do? Well, most people want to complain. Boy, I hate my job. Well, they said this and they said that. I don't like this. And then the Christians have the, have the audacity they want to proclaim judgment. Oh, boy. Well, the Bible says you take it patiently. Patiently means, patiently, means I'm going to endure it. I'm going to keep doing my job. I'm going to keep doing it well. I'm going to keep doing it under the Lord. And I'm going to, whatever, endure the persecution. See what that says, right? Everybody see that? You take it patiently. That's commendable. That's commendable before God. Let's go to the next verses there. 
For to this were you called, Christ suffered for us, leaving us an example that you should follow his steps. Now, Jesus suffered for us. Now he left us an example. Let me just say this. Was Jesus sick? No. Did Jesus have a disease? No. Was Jesus in pain? No. Did Jesus lack or all those things? No. So Jesus suffered for us, and he left us an example. What did he suffer? He suffered the humiliation. He suffered the treatment that he had, that, of course, growing to the cross, all those things. He suffered rejection. Jesus suffered for us, and he left us an example. Now, the example was that he did no sin. Deceit was not found in his mouth. And when he was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten. Now, folks, I can look. You got ministries on the internet that are pronouncing all kinds of judgment and so forth against others. I, say, I, I always have to think, wow, people just don't read their Bibles. People don't read their Bibles. Ministers don't read their Bibles. Very sad. When he suffered, he did not threaten. He committed himself to him who judges righteously. Think about it. So people want to take things, and especially nowadays and stuff, they take it so personal and so forth. Yeah. But folks, we have to understand the context of what this is all about. Even nowadays, okay, let's, let's, take, let's make it current events. People want to say, oh, they, they, got, they got, do you know they were removed, their, their ministry was removed from, from uh, YouTube or something? Oh, what were they saying? Oh, they had a vaccine message. Okay, that's not a Jesus message. Oh, they had a, they had a politics, they had a Trump message. Oh, that's not a Jesus message. We've got Christians on so many different bandwagons and then claiming persecution have nothing to do with Jesus Christ. And it is not persecution. It's not persecution at all. Persecution deals with Jesus Christ. It doesn't deal with topics. It doesn't deal with all the worldly topics. It deals with Jesus Christ. People are not taking down our YouTubes. Hallelujah. We live in a free land. They're not taking down our YouTubes. Thank you, Jesus. I can say Jesus Christ is Lord. And no one's censoring it. Now, the day they do censor it, that's persecution. The day they do take off Jesus Christ, that's persecution. They they do come and say, hey, you're forbidden from doing that. That's persecution. That's different. The day they do come and lock the door and say, this church cannot meet anymore, that's persecution. But if I'm saying something else, another message, that's not persecution. We have so many leaders who don't know the Bible. Very costly to the body of Christ because right today, as I've talked even Sunday, devouring, devouring the body of Christ when the body of Christ should be doing the work of the gospel and not. Got Charisma Magazine, trumpet of the charismatic thing, and they're saying, oh, this happened and this happened. I think, what was the message? Oh, yeah, it wasn't a Jesus message, was it? When we go to other countries, now when we go to other countries, I am being forced to get like, what's it called, a VPN? 
private network. So the government can't see what I'm sending. And why is that? Because of persecution. So now my computer getting a special thing so that my stuff is encrypted so they can't tap into it on the regular email or internet. We don't have to worry about that in the United States. But in places where we go, where Jeannie and I have been, now we have to think about that. We can't talk publicly right in the motel because they're government agents now. Because they're listening in. Why are you here? What are you doing? Every place we go is tracked by our visa. So now there's no longer a promotion that we're coming or doing meetings. There's no, nothing. No promotion. All of it's click, 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 click. Meet here this day. And the meetings don't go for two days now. Because we're tracked. Because of police. That's persecution. That's something different. Keep in mind, folks. Now, this is very important because I'm glad this is out on the Internet. People should see this. Especially in America. Because America's at a crossroads. Christianity's at a crossroads in America. What are they going to do? Where are they going to go? What is their message? And for me as a pastor and a leader to pastors, I'm, I'm, I'm always amazed. Always amazed. We keep telling pastors, take this down. Don't send this to me. Don't do that. What are you called to do? There's only one who can save souls, and his name is Jesus Christ. And if that is not your message, everything else, everything else is another tangent. Taking precious time and all your energy for what? This is serious. This is serious. Because the world, the world is in this cauldron right now. And so everything we do, Jesus, how did, how when he was persecuted, how did he, how did he respond? What do you see most Christians? They're reviling back. We're going to take a stand. We're going to speak this way. We're going to do that. And they're reviling back. None of them are reading the scripture. First of all, not even Jesus. And second of all, they're not even reading the scripture. Jesus did not revile back. Jesus did not pronounce judgment. Jesus did not threaten people. He did not threaten them. You wait a few days. And as I'm king of kings and lord of lords, you're going to get yours. Never did that. He never threatened anybody in spite of how he was treated. And this is our example. That is our example. It's amazing. We've been doing things on the internet now. God bless Jeannie for being a technology person. She's, she does it. I'm not on Facebook. But now reaching people that finding out they've been watching us for years. And realizing our standard for Christ and how consistent it is. And they're looking. See, they look at a lot of other things in the world and then they look at us. They see a difference. And just by polls, half of the evangelical Christians are scattered in other directions. Just calling people. What are you... What's your message? Oh, we're on this. What's your message? Oh, we're on this. Half of evangelical Christians are in other messages other than Jesus Christ. First Peter chapter 3 just, just goes, these are just common things in Scripture. 
Who will harm you if you be followers of that which is good? But if you suffer for righteousness' sake, you are blessed. And these are, these are tough scriptures. Because we think of blessing like, wow, thank you, Lord, for that, what you've done. And he's saying here, if you suffer for my name's sake, if you suffer for Jesus Christ, if you suffer for righteousness, you're blessed. Blessed people aren't reviling. Blessed people aren't, you know, pronouncing something back. Do not be afraid of their threats, or nor be troubled. Are there threats? Yeah, well, ultimately there are. Jesus said, don't be afraid. Don't be troubled. Sanctify the Lord God in your hearts. Notice what it says now. Always be ready to give a, a, a this as a defense, it's King James says, an answer to everyone who asks you. And what are they going to ask you? They're going to ask you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. You're going to give an answer with meekness and fear. But they're going to ask you about the hope that is in you. And they're going to see hope because of our response to the world. They're going to see hope because of how we live our lives. They're going to see hope because of the things that we do to help people. They're going to see hope because they're feeling hope. They're feeling hope. I had a classmate, and she thinks she's an attorney, but St. Paul, and she lives in a certain area, and I hadn't seen her since graduation. And then she, she said, tell me about your ministry. I said, well, I don't know. I told her what we did and what the church was doing. I said that we'd like to do missions. And then she said to me, she said, wow. She said, tell me more, tell me more. It kept going on and on and on and on. And, of course, she lives in the Twin Cities. And she's lived with all the racial unrest and so forth. In her neighborhood, there's been shootings and different things like that. And as I kept telling her about Jesus and what we were doing and how God loves people, wants to touch people, she said, this is her answer. She said, you have given me hope. I was a hopeless person. I had no hope how anything could happen good anymore. She said, you've given me hope. Sanctify. So you have Jesus in your heart. You're ready. Say ready. You're ready to give an answer. In other words, people are going to ask us, what makes you tick? Why, why did you respond that way, in that good way? Why do you do these things? And they'll ask you, why are you different? And of course, the question should be, are we, are we different? The church should be different, right? Rather than everybody knowing what the church is against, I want people to know what the church is for. I am for Jesus Christ. I am for people. I am for loving everybody. 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 Every sinner. Homosexual community. Democrats. I'm for everybody. Why is Jesus for everybody? Because if you're not for everybody, you're not going to reach anybody. You're not going to reach anybody. And if you have anger, if you have resentment, you know, and you're right. And so you're not going to reach anybody. Is God a just God? Of course he is. But does he love people? Yes, he does. So Paul said, I make myself all, to all things to all people that I might reach some. He's just saying, I'm going to be honest with you. I'm, going to, I'm just going to reach out and love people. Paul did. That's what we do. So we should do, right? Amen? Amen. 
That's what we should do. That's what we're called to do in the gospel. And in turn, people can say, what, what kind of Christianity do you have? Right. What do you believe? Now, these are good questions, right? These are good questions. I want to have dialogue with the world. I want to have conversations with the world and so forth in a way that maybe we can plant the gospel seed with them. That's, those are good things. So, so, even if you suffer for righteousness' sake, the Bible said you are blessed. Blessed. And Jesus talked about blessed when you're persecuted. We'll talk about those things another time. But don't be afraid of threats, trouble, and be ready to give an answer to everyone who asks you the reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. And we'll just, a couple more verses here, just right after that. Have a good conscience. When they defame you as evildoers, you know how the world is, they call good evil and evil good. People might want to defame you because you're a Christian. Those who revile your good conduct in Christ may be ashamed. Doesn't mean you're going to get, doesn't mean you're going to get out of everything. Paul endured a lot of things. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, Dietrich Bonhoeffer lived his life. He was a Lutheran minister. He lived his life in such a way in the Nazi prison camp. His testimony for Jesus Christ. He kept telling people about Jesus, kept telling the guards about Jesus. And before the, just before the war ended, in the last weeks of the war, the edict came down to hang him. And the day they hung him, the guards wept. They wept because of Jesus, who he was. Never reviled. Never spoke judgment. They hung him and they wept. Your good conduct in Christ. Notice, in Christ, these are Christian things. It's a Christian topic. It's a Christian message. For it is better if the will of God, if it's, if it's the will of God to suffer for good than for doing evil. It is better if the will of God is so to suffer for doing good than for doing evil. Amen? Doing good in the name of Jesus. For Christ also suffered once for sins, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God and being put to, together in the, put to death in the flesh and being made alive in the Spirit. We have faced very little in our country, but the wind is blowing. The Holy Spirit is saying, you need to be ready. You need to be ready for adversity. You need to be ready to stand. I'm talking about just standing in Christ. Standing on biblical principles. Standing that if somebody said, you can't do that, what is your conviction? Do you believe the Bible? Is Jesus your Savior? What do you believe? God wants convictions to get deepened on the inside of us. Convictions for Jesus Christ. He wants us to be prepared. He wants us to get ready. Much is happening very, very fast. The closer we get to the end times, things are happening faster and faster, aren't they? Very, very fast. Changes in government, changes in policies, changing in attitudes towards Christians. And so because of that, Christians need to be getting ready. 
Very few pastors are going to be talking about what I'm talking to you tonight on. I don't hear anybody talking about it, actually. But it is the message of the Holy Spirit. It's a message for this hour. Those of you listening, you can press it and share it and give it to somebody else. It's a message to say, prepare yourself. Prepare yourself now before other days come. Amen? Prepare yourself now. The Afghanistan church prepared itself. There are terrible things that they face, but the Afghanistan church has stayed underground even when the Americans were there. Smart move. They stayed underground. So, so uh, how they do things is underground. Much churches in a lot of areas is underground. Just meets in homes. Doesn't have, can't meet in buildings. Chinese church, much of it is underground. Church when Jeannie went to Russia in 1974 was underground. They imprisoned Christians, they killed Christians. By the thousands, tens of thousands killed Christians. So we're blessed. We meet publicly and openly. We can share this on the internet openly with the world. Amazing. No one's taking it down. Thank you, Jesus. And so the Lord would just say, prepare your hearts. Amen. Amen. Prepare your hearts. Sometime in the future, we're going to talk more about this. But these are good things to talk about. Amen? Amen. These are good things to think about in your preparation. Just like an athlete prepares for a game, we prepare for what's coming ahead. So, Father, I thank you that you've given us your word. That your word is true and steadfast and not, is not shaken. Heaven and earth will pass away, but your word will not pass away. And so, Father, I thank you tonight for people here, people watching. I thank you, Lord, you're you're blowing a trumpet. It's a wake-up call to the body of Christ that, Jesus, the message is you. It's always been about you. And that, Lord, as you bring this call, I thank you for rallying a great army of believers, lovers of you and lovers of people, that will come out, Lord, to reach this world with your message, with your love, that, Lord, we pray for a harvest, a harvest of souls. Because there's multitudes, multitudes in the valley of decision. And the day of the Lord is near in the valley of decision. So we pray for a harvest of souls, Father, that would come forth right here in this city, in this region, in this area, but across our country, Lord, across our nation, across this world, we pray for a harvest of souls, a revival, Lord God. And I thank you, Lord, for moving supernaturally by your Spirit, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Amen. Thank you for listening to this inspirational message. We trust that you were encouraged in your faith. For additional information or resources, please contact the church at 605-692-4616. You can email us at holylife at brookings.net or visit our website at holylifetabernacle.com. If you're in the Brookings area, please stop by to visit a service. We are located at 241 Mustang Pass, just off Main Avenue South. Our service times are Sundays at 10 a.m. and 6.30 p.m., Also, Wednesday nights at 7. God bless you.